0: I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone, it's time for The Connor
1: and Smith Show! Oh. Thank you, Places.
0: Okay, we are talking to world renowned food stylist Lisa Cherkasky tonight. So fittingly, Matthew, if you hear sizzling, Matthew is cooking in the kitchen right now what are you working on Matthew?
1: Well I am the type of person that just kind of makes do with what is in the kitchen and I had bought this package of diced potatoes for my parents when they were coming to visit last weekend and I didn't get a chance to use them because I had enough potatoes for my recipe because I put together a um, sort of a breakfast casserole for them so we could have like a brunch but what I'm doing tonight is I'm basically sort of stir-frying uh, on with a little bit of garlic oil. I mean a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of garlic. And a little bit of my favorite secret recipe saver in the kitchen is this Tony Chackers.
0: That's. I don't think that's how you say it, but I don't know
1: how to Chackeries. say it. Ch- Tony Chacarys? Chacarys. Anyways, it's Creole seasoning. The container is green. I put that in almost all of my dishes. And then I also popped in the air fryer tonight six uh, Brussels sprouts. I halved them so there's 12 little pieces. And I'm gonna put my potatoes with my Brussels sprouts. And the Brussels have been tossed in balsamic. And this is sort of my version of uh, cabbage and potatoes, which a lot of people eat together, even though you wouldn't think of like diced hash browns and brussels sprouts brussels sprouts are cabbage and hash browns are potatoes so it's kind of like my version of cabbage and potatoes
0: oh with that ding we're going to go to a break and when we're back we'll continue with lisa trukaski we'll be right back Lisa, can you hear us?
2: I can. Can you hear me?
0: Yes. Yes. Hi, it's
2: me, Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Lisa. This is Matt. Hi, Matt.
1: I'll be the huskier voice in the room. (laughs)
2: Okay. Okay. (laughs) How are you? Good. I'm so excited to talk tonight. Food is
1: like my number one.
2: Oh, good. Okay, good. Well, right. What? sleep is first and then eat, right? No, I think it's just food. Oh, no. I'm so, I'm sorry, I got it backwards. Eat and then sleep. Number right. one. You said number one. You didn't say number two. Got it. Right.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, right. Well, Lisa Trukowski is a food stylist, a writer, a teacher, um, wears a million hats and sometimes makes them. Um, <laughs> so, So Lisa and I have a a funny, I'll just say an interesting, weird history in that in many different lives ago, I used to walk dogs. And I I walked into this house for the first time and just, you can tell when you walk into another artist's house, you just have a feeling, it has a certain look. Uh, And I immediately called my boss and says, what does this this person do? Because they've got to be an artist. And she told me what you did, and I was just so like intrigued by it. Fast forward to many years later, I now work uh, as a program director for the Columbia Pike Revitalization Organization, and we were trying to to come up with content, you know, online content during the pandemic that would be of benefit to our business community and our restaurant community. And I immediately remembered about Lisa being a food stylist and. We had had uh, several restaurants open during the pandemic and their food photography maybe could use a little love. Um, And I immediately connected the dots and Lisa did a great event for us that people are still talking about um, where people where basically Pike restaurants submitted like anonymously food photographs. And Lisa basically just said, here's how to make it better didn't say like, this is terrible, that's terrible, <laughs> but said, this is how you could elevate this. And it was very helpful to the restaurants and everyone else uh, who attended, They, like I said, they still talk about it. So that brings us to now, because we like to reach out on this show to artists of all different walks of life about just creativity and where they get inspiration. and food styling is another art form and photography of food. Um, So I immediately thought, oh, we've got to talk to Lisa because she's just so much of an artist in in a different milieu and also being a writer as well. So all that to say, welcome, Lisa. We're so glad you have joined us um, this evening. And how... (laughs) Thank you. How how have you been? (laughs) You're always busy.
2: I've been... Good. I, you know, I mean, I'm as good as the next person during a pandemic, (laughs) right? I'm good. I'm busy. It's good. Everything's good. I'm working and I'm working with other people, which is what I really like. I'm not working as closely with other people as I would like as much as often, but I'm, but I'm in the room a lot with a, with a photographer. So that's really good. So good. I'm good. I'm, I have, I'm working. So that's, you know, great. And um, I'm working in my field, which is great. And everyone is still eating and people are still interested in food. It's shifted, you know. Um, Supposedly people are cooking more at home. I I think they are, I don't really know because I haven't been in their homes, but there have been people been talking about it a lot. And so the stuff that I've been doing that's been more like editorial has seemed more relevant right now, which is nice. Like the stuff that's about cooking rather than about, you know, selling products. So that's been really nice and kind of bringing people together, like the stuff we've been doing for the Washington Post and other th- things having to do with recipes. And people are really feeling, I think, kind of cozy and they want to be nurturing to one another and all that, right? Wouldn't you say that's happening?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, so that's been good. And it's, it, good. it's, it's so funny because I... <laughs> I thought of you today. So we had a, a restaurateur called me um, and told me he was having a soft open of his new restaurant on the Pike today. Oh, wow. And would I come and stop by? Yeah. And so I said, of course. And I got in the car and went over there and it is Kababistan.
2: Uh-huh. Oh, is, I've seen it. Right. It's right between Monroe and, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's in the 3400.
0: The, it's yeah. in the former space of a thousand degree pizza. Right,
2: right, right. Um, so uh-huh.
0: I went in, and uh, immediately the first thing I thought of was, "What's their food photography like?"
2: That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> How is it?
0: It was actually so they have beautiful like uh, TV monitor screens, some of which that have moving photography of like three hundred and sixty of some wow. of the items.
2: That's and, interesting.
0: And they had somebody I do, seen that. Yeah they they had somebody do it for them. Um, and it actually was really good. It was, I will say that that, what they were displaying on this one screen that kind of revolved different dishes, 360 degrees around looking at it. Um, yeah. And the rest was the menu. The paper menu photos, it's, that's always a little harder. You have such a small space, you know. Right.
2: Um, wow, I've never had a style 360. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah, that it's would worth be difficult. Stuffing.
2: I'm going to go look at it. It's walking distance. But that's, how was the food? Was the food good? Uh, well, how yes. was it? Okay. Good. Yes. Matthew, I, I,
0: yeah. Matthew's review. Matthew is the, the
1: foodie in this
0: house. Uh-huh. Matthew, what would you say?
1: I, I loved it. I, w- I would have loved to have tried every little morsel in the kitchen. Um, I did not have, well, I did have a bite of the, the meat, but mm-hmm. I, 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 for some reason I'm a meat eater, but I always go for the veggies first. Um, Because I just love to see how people put... To me, vegetables sometimes can get sort of a... um, uh, 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 Maybe they they aren't always spiced up differently because like corn is usually just salt and butter or whatever. But I like to see what people are doing differently to their um, vegetables because the spinach thing, I don't know what it was called, but it seemed very much getting close to the Indian spinach dish Mm -hmm. and the chickpeas dish Seemed very similar to the Indian dish, but in their similarities, they were both—they were very different. Mm. I'm so going to go over
2: there and order and order a bunch of sides. It sounds like that sounds good. Yeah, so this is yeah. Afghan huh.
0: cuisine. I um, love
2: Afghan. Oh, that's that right? I like Afghani food a lot.
1: Oh, and cool. it was this little itty bitty plastic cup. I love the little plastic cups of sides that are like, you know, <laughs> you just, and you look at it and you think, is this dipping for the bread? Is this dressing for?
0: The salad. the salad.
1: Or is this right. like you put this on your rice? Anyways, it was almost <laughs> like a, a ground jalapeno, but it clearly wasn't. But it, was, it, it had a little bit of a kick and was to die for. And now I want like a little jar of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's great. You'll have to let them know that, that they need to merchandise their uh, well, sauce. Yeah, that's cool. I I have to, asked, I'll have to walk over there. It's close. That's good. Yes. Really I, good. I asked the owner,
0: I said, uh did you do your food photography yourself and he said oh no i had somebody do it and i said okay i asked because and i i said i would send him the link of your uh, little seminar thing um and i said yeah this this lady and she lives pretty close to here so i'll have to tell her about your restaurant so that'll be 360.
2: <laughs> Get yeah it? that's great no i have <laughs> yes i have seen it but i haven't been in there but i will go in the 360 thing that's interesting if someone said i had to, I had to style 360 that would be challenging. So it really always just looks good from one side. <laughs> That's so, so I, interesting.
1: I know yeah. that you two, Stephen and Lisa, know what you're talking about. And just in case, like, my mom is listening or someone who really doesn't know what a food stylist is, because mm-hmm. I don't know if I do as well, I want you to take us through, like, a project. Who goes with you in, in that project? What's the outcome? What does the day look like? What are some maybe uh, obstacles you have to prevent or whatever, what, what exactly is your projects include?
2: Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll try to keep it not too detailed because it gets, it would be boring. Um, but so say it's a job for, um, well, God, they vary a lot. So uh, let's say it's a cookbook. Cause I think cookbooks are, are like really interesting. So if it's a cookbook, uh, well, so I'm making the food that's for the picture that's the main thing. The stylist is making the food that's for the picture. So it, um, it, it there is cooking involved and it's not all fake or anything like that. Um, and it needs to look really nice. And it needs, you know, to reflect the, um, the um, aesthetic of the project, which is if it's a cookbook, it needs to look like someone cooked it, you know, at home and that you could cook it too. And if it's a a product, a package. Then it's maybe a little bit more. I don't know about perfect, but it displays the thing that you're selling. It shows that thing really well. So it's showing a product rather than a dish. A, you know, delicious dish. And if you're a restaurant, it's not showing a recipe. It's showing this is this thing that when you order it, it's going to be delicious and not something that you would be able to make yourself necessarily, and so on. And so, when it's a photo, you know, you can't taste it and you can't smell it. So you, I mean, you can just see it, and so it's kind of limited. So you have to really um, play into that, and you can only see it from the one side. Also, it's not 360 usually, as far as I know. So you have to really think about what what the limitations are. So um, before a job, we we talk a little bit, and I get a shot list, and sometimes there's grocery shopping. So say it's a cookbook, there'd be grocery shopping, and I would get all the food for the recipe, and I would follow the recipe, and I would have my assistant with me. We would have a prop stylist and the photographer and an art director and also maybe the cookbook author or a client of some kind. And, uh-oh, it was, was my dog. Okay, stop. And um, so we would let the prop, and a prop style, so they would, we would build the whole set and so on, decide, play, when we would build the set based on what the food looks like. So you want the set to, um... Uh, flatter the food so you would choose a plate and a background and all those other things to flat. it's about the food so it's all to flatter the food and then I have the food cooked and I have extra and I would make a stand in so you have something on the plate so the photographer can light it because if it's dark it needs to be lit one way and light another way and so on and um, we would all talk there's like tons and tons of talking so you do all that with the stand in and then is that your dog sneezing it's, it's my dog barking at your dog. <laughs> <laughs> my dog's barking at the lamp. Okay, good. <laughs> so then, um, that's funny. And then, so we do the stand-in and we talk and talk and talk. And meantime, I have the real thing. And then we decide. And then I build the real thing. And I build the real thing to the camera and to the light. So if the light is coming directional from one side, I would put the dark things on that side and the light things on the other side. And if it's a cookbook that's supposed to be very approachable, I would build it really loosely and if it's a package, I would, it would be a lot more um, tight. You know, it's a fit in a very small, spe- a specific space and all that kind of thing. So I try to read what needs to be done. And then I build it and then I keep it nice. So that would be with water and oil and so on. And I work really, really clean. So you don't want, weird- you want drips and smudges and all that kind of thing, but you want them where you want them, not where they, yeah.
1: And right. um, very then- purposed.
2: Mm -hmm. and then you do the whole thing everybody talks about it we look at it on the monitor and sometimes sometimes we start over sometimes i take the whole thing apart and say we have to start over and sometimes we move forward and we so we build like it's step by step so it's um talk about it decide what will look best find the surface build the set have a stand in um create the lighting (laughs) then the hero food then, the, then you go on, then the final, then little bitty tweaks, and then the last part would be like the garnish or the drizzle or anything that's super fragile goes at the very end. And then you look at it, and if everyone's happy, you throw all the food away and move on to the next thing.
1: Okay, a few questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm producing the cookbook, which I think I'm going to at tonight after we get off the air. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If I'm producing the cookbook, are you the final say of your job or do I go, you know? No, this right. you get to. Okay. And then do you also sometimes get hired if I'm online looking for a recipe and they take you through the process? Um, like wait. like, like the, the to, to photograph like different stages of things or are you mainly a final product? I'm, let me think. Oh, you mean like process shots? Yeah, like this is what it looks like before you put the icing on the cake or whatever. Oh,
2: sometimes. Okay, so I do this stuff for the post. The post has a newsletter that comes out every day that's dinner for that day, and those shots have pro- have a have a have two shots. So they have the finished dish, and they always have a process shot. So we do both. And I've did I've done a lot of process shots. Like I worked on a series for a uh, cookbook series for Time Life Books a long time ago, and those had a lot of process shots in them. So I do those too depends what it is. and i did a cookbook last year that also had technique shots i think you're think kind of talking about technique shots and we did a lot of those too those are different those are more um they need to be artful and pretty but they're different like you're really trying to show clearly this is how you do this and this is exactly what this should look like and so on so and, yeah i do those too and do you have
1: a couple of things on your list uh in your mind that when you get called to do something is it like do you have those, uh, a few bad things, that, not bad, things that are harder to work with as far as an ingredient, like, oh gosh, this has bok choy in it, and that only, that can, that only lasts for like 10 minutes out of the
2: oven, or... You mean like the resistance? Response? Yeah, I guess. I have the resistance response a lot. Yeah, I had it today. <laughs> They're talking about something. I'm like, oh no, this is going to look... I have that a lot like oh my god this is gonna look so bad it's gonna get old so fast I'm thinking yeah yes there's lots of stuff like that there's a lot I could be better about that I could be more open-minded about it there's a lot of stuff like that when they say anything that says it's gonna have like cheese hot cheese I think oh man I hope everybody's really fast or they want oh. drips and messes or it's a beverage and they want it to be cold and have ice and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that, there's a lot of stuff that lasts like one second. There's right. a lot. So then you need a lot of skill. The photographer needs to be really skilled. An and you need cube. to be insane. Yeah. I, ice all that. cubes cha- can change in seconds. Ice cream, all of that. All those things, they go great when you're working with a photographer. knows what they're doing. They're confident. They're experienced. And you, have a good working relationship and you're in sync. Cause it's all, there's all this timing involved and it's really, it's super fun when you're in sync with the, with the photographer. It's great. Cause it's like this, 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 and then bam. Oh, and then it's right. But when you're not in sync, it's toward, it's not torture, but it's not very, it's not nearly as gratifying.
1: Cause a okay, lot, okay, yeah, it's super,
2: it's very per- Not all food is perishable, but most of it's real. It's way more perishable than we think. Right. Yeah. Now
1: now I'm the owner of a diner and all of our menus are out of date and I want someone to be hired to come in and take pictures of our food that can be like, this is what our pancakes look like. This is what it looks like with sausage or whatever. Mm -hmm. Are you also one that would do that, go into someone else's
2: joint? Yes. I would, I would go as the stylist. Yes. I've done that a lot. It's fun. It's super fun. Do you have a, go ahead. Do
1: you have a, do you have a forte in cuisine? Like this is my, this is my I got this. This is my thing.
2: Um
1: or just everything. No, I'm
2: pretty good at. I mean, you're the every, styli- everything bagel. Styling, I'm good at everything. But there are sty- well, that's because I live here and we're not in like a super um commercial area. I think if I lived in Chicago or New York, I might maybe would be specialized because I know there are stylists that are specialized that specialize in ice cream or beverages or that kind of thing but around here you need to be a generalist to have enough work so general I'm a generalist but um like so if I go to do it at a restaurant what I like to and, and I've done that a ton is what I like to do is have them bring me the finished dish so I can see it we all look at it and we talk about it I like some of my clients like that are the Silver Diner and the Palm and well they're gone now but Lots. I don't know, lots of restaurants. So they bring me the finished dish and then they bring me the parts and then I make it for the camera, which is a little wow. different. Not a lot different, but a little different. And also I just – so it's fresher and so I don't do the last parts until – like say there's a parsley oil or something like that. You don't do that until the, everything's ready. and the, photog- the photographer's all ready. You say, okay, and then you're all standing there, wait, you know – at a high alert and then you're like, you do it and they shoot it and, you know, at the last second. It's about timing and being in, in sync with the other person and communication and collaboration and all that, which I really, really like, so. What,
1: what's so fascinating about, you know, all of this for me is, you know, how many times are was I ever sitting with my mother and somehow we would be looking through a magazine and we're like, oh, that looks good. Oh my gosh, that looks good. <laughs> and, and then for myself, uh, uh-huh. My husband, not so much, but for myself, I've gone in a restaurant uh, and maybe you have too, sitting there with the menu and actually start looking around the restaurant, and seeing what other people are eating
2: mm-hmm. and actually yes. go,
1: oh my gosh, that!" and then I've even asked people in a restaurant, like, what is that? That looks incredible. Yeah. And yeah. what you're doing is that first step that if that picture doesn't somehow get an aha moment with the the eyes, you've kind of lost... Yeah. A moment. Yeah. yeah,
2: and that's what for me as a stylist, you don't want to promise, but you want to make it look good enough that it's worth looking at. And so it sometimes there's a dilemma, because if you make it look completely real, it doesn't look appetizing, and so then what's the point? But you don't want it to look so different from the actual thing that it's a lie. Cause some foods, I mean, you don't realize it when you're eating them, but if you really look at them, they're, they look, they don't, maybe they're maybe not that appetizing when they're in, you know, you know, around forever in a picture. So,
1: yeah. Right. And as we, yeah. and as we know, it, some chefs and, and cooks can make things look nice, but then also things are going to change when that restaurant all of a sudden is in its peak hours And maybe things get a little smudgy or I don't know, but I know that uh, (laughs) a top chef wants to make everything look probably what you just did for them. uh, If it's a little flower on the side and the drizzles just right and all of that stuff. Every single time.
2: Yeah. Do you, do you also mentor other stylists? How do you become Lisa? Huh? Well, I try not to mentor. Well, that's mean, but I I try and. Okay. Well, I had a job that involved styling, so that was really good. I didn't have it very long. I had it like six months, but I wasn't expected to be a stylist. It was part of my job, but my main job was developing recipes, so that was good. So I had that. Other people, well, um, when I started, it was a long time ago, so that there weren't any resources for it. But I think there. Well, I don't know, but there were. There have been classes online and workshops, and so I'm sure there's classes online, and what people do is they assist other people. There's a couple stylists now in the D.C. area who are young, and I honestly don't know how they learned. I don't know what they know. I haven't worked with them, so I don't know. I don't know what they know. I don't know their capability. I don't know how they learned. But maybe they haven't assisted. I, assisting is a really good way to learn, but nobody would let me assist them because they didn't want to train their competition. It's, it's, it's a uh, really... Competitive field because oh now you're almost, talking about there's almost so much work to go around so that's right pretty now you're talking yeah. about
1: voice now you're talking about voiceover work you know in our business if you're in voiceover work you tell no one where you get your jobs
2: yeah and that's the same with styling actually yeah. I, I I don't yeah. I don't want to feel mean about it and I'm not mean about it but I haven't ha- ever had anybody who I um want I've never had an assistant who wanted to be a stylist because. Yeah because I need them. I need the work. I don't want to train my competition. You know, I'm right. not, I'm not exactly. mean about it, but I mean, I try to be nice about it. And I have friends who are stylists, but, um, it's just, there's only so much work to go around. That's the thing. And it's really hard to learn it. It's really hard to learn it because you learn a lot of it. trial by I learned, I learned it all trial by fire. I learned it all on the job when I was, you know, really nervous and under the gun and it was scary. So then it's, it's, you know, hard to give up that kind of knowledge.
1: Yeah. Well, what I love about what you do is for me and Stephen, if I sabotage this entire podcast, but I knew you would. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) No, seriously. Like he's the foodie of the the household. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, I've had the opportunity to hear Lisa speak. You're going to love this. Well,
1: (laughs) well, for me, I know that food invokes, so many, it's just a plethora of things to discuss, not only the taste, but it, it really can bring together like families when you have, you know, any sort of discussion or, or dates or outings or anything. Food is so important to learning about cultures and traditions and everything. Um, everything. And what I love about it is it really it's it's kind of like the arts and music. It's something that brings together anybody. Uh, even if you don't like the, the matzo ball soup, you still want to try it to see if, if you like it, you know,
2: you hope that um, you do. And I, you know, and I, I have this thing about, you know, eating, I had this neighbor, uh, he doesn't live next door anymore, but I, I love my neighbor. And one time I, he, he used to, I used to call, you know, just say, Hey, you want, I would have something. He'd come over to eat it with me. And he was here one time. He's said, um, would you like tea or coffee? Or I was offering all these drinks, and he said, "I'll have what you're serving." And I, it's like my friends ever, and it's not that common anymore. I don't think, right? It used to be when I when I was a kid, every place we went, they would give you something to eat or drink, and you would always eat or drink it. You would never refuse it. I mean, that was considered really, really rude. no matter sure. what it was, you would take. But that's not like that anymore at all. People say, "Well, I don't eat this and I don't eat that," and. I mean not all the time and I don't mean to sound cynical but I do wish that we could be more of yes, you know, thank you, you know, because it it is an offering and when you offer somebody food you are making yourself vulnerable because if they refuse it it's it's a rejection of something really personal I think. Well,
1: well yeah, it's like a handmade ornament from the earth like
2: Yeah, and it's your culture that you're also offering so in some way Yeah. So if they say no, it's it's uncomfortable. So I do think it is great to share food. And there's also, I think, sort of a scary element to it now because people more and more, I think, are defining themselves by what they do or don't eat rather than being inclusive. Like I eat everything. There's not that many. Well, maybe there are. But I eat. like people who eat everything. I love those people. It's just so nice to put anything in front of them and they they eat it. And they like it and they say, thank you. It's the greatest because it does really bring you together. And it's an opportunity to experience somebody else's um, home, culture, family, personality, all that, all that stuff, you know, which is so great.
1: Well, several years ago, um, of course, not it was like decades ago, we were in huh. someone's home and they were uh, wine uh, people. And of course, mm-hmm. my wine consists of something from Safeway. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they ha- they had wine that was bought, you know, all over the world and the bottles were very expensive but anyways. It was the first time that someone explained to me that I was not drinking wine, but I was drinking a region and a culture and an area on the earth. Yeah. And when they really put it to me that way of what air and what water and what air soil. Water. Yeah. Yeah, that you're when you're getting something from that region, it's completely from a different region.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. Anyway, so it's amazing.
2: I mean, if you really dig deep, if you when you dig deep like that, it is amazing. I'm. It's amazing. You know. And when I'm not paying nearly as much attention to it as I could be, but but that's that's so true. It's it is it's food is deeply personal. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah absolutely the, 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 not necessarily the mysticism, but like the way that, you know, it, it can heal and it can help. And it can, I mean, I used to be a waiter and a restaurant manager and my gosh, I used to love seeing the people before the meal and seeing the people after the meal. And I always locked the doors with such a sigh of uh, success because it felt like, wow, I made all those people happy.
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's so great. But
1: yeah me and Stephen like to always talk about everyone's journey because we I always think that we're talking to the future in some way there's someone younger than me which doesn't take a whole lot listening <laughs> to this and really wanting to know how to become you know uh or how to grow up and navigate the different versions of themselves so yeah take us back to your take us back to your choice of university
2: and then and the journey. Stuff. The journey yeah.
1: that kind of gave you your wings.
2: I'm also always interested in how people. I love. I love personal stories. So I like, I'm always interested in to find out how people got to where they are. I think choi- choices, and all that stuff is fascinating. So my okay. So mine's a mixture of uh, choices and um, you know, uh, impulse. Mo- mostly impulse, honestly. But um, so I was, and I had cooked a lot. Um, I'd, been, I'd taught to, been taught to cook by my mom and was, you know, had to cook as part of my, we all had a lot of responsibilities at the house. My mother was raised during the depression and it's like everybody, you know, works really hard. So we worked really hard, including cooking. And my dad owned a dairy and a bakery in Wisconsin before we moved here. Oh no, I hit the lamp. Here comes the dog again. But um, here she comes. Um, so that was just part of what I did, but then in, and then in high school I had a job, I cooking for a family, um, which was a great job. Then and I also worked at the Festival of American Folk Life, and I was really interested in the food people there because they had all these um, uh, traditional cooks. So and I and I got really interested in that. I went to college with the idea of becoming an ethnomusicologist because I was really also really interested in. And I like traditional. And I was really interested in regional American uh, music and also food. College. Uh, I went to the University of Wisconsin because that's where we are from, and that's where everyone else in my family went. And I did wasn't with it. I wasn't really. I was not off flourishing. And I was home on a. I was home at Christmas time. This is a long time ago. It's like 1970, like six is a long or seven is a long time ago. And um, someone I was talking to from the festival said, "Hey, I have a cousin. He goes to the school, the Culinary Institute of America." And I, for some reason, latched onto that. I'd never heard of cooking school. I didn't know anybody who went, which is hard to imagine. But at that time, the, the school I went to, I started in 1977. They had only started accepting women in 1974, I think. So, and they were, so I applied. And I went. I got in, and I went. So I went in June of that year, I think. And so, and once you get started on that cooking track, they just—it's trade school. So you you go there, and you're going to be a cook or a chef or whatever, and you just churn through it. And um, you know, every three weeks it was a new class, and before you know it, it's done, which suited me really well. You don't have this long buildup of semesters. Is very task oriented, and I am very task oriented. I like to work with my hands. I like to get things done. I like to check things off a list, and it works like that. So cooking for me was really um, it suited me really well. And I didn't think at the time, oh, this is my passion. This is, I mean, this was a long time ago, and nobody was like it is now. There wasn't artisanal anything, and there was it was the '70s, and the food in the '70s in the United States was beginning to get interesting again, but wasn't there. So then I, f- I finished. And of course, then you cook. So I cooked. And I, um, I worked at restaurant Nora at the very beginning, which became kind of a big deal. I was, that was, I think, my first job out of school. And then I, was, uh, um, I worked at a couple of really super high-end French restaurants in DC that no longer exist. But one, I was the first woman they'd ever hired. And when I, actually, when I went there asking for a job, they said to me, they said, we don't hire ladies. And then the next day I went back and the next funny thing, the next day they were hiring ladies and I, I worked there. And so I had this training, it's like really intense French training. So I became super skilled at that. And then um, what happened? Um, I started to kind of flounder and I got really burned out and I moved back to Wisconsin and I was there for a while. And then I came back here and was at the Tabard Inn, which is a super creative place and is still there. And I was kind of, you know, all the time, I was just like, next, 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 next. That's basically what I was doing all the time with cooking because cooks get bored. And I always wanted to learn something different and new. And I was always open to opportunities. So if something would come up, I would take it. I would always, I still do that. If somebody asked me, do I want to do something? I almost always say yes. Where was the ta- where's the tabard in? The tabard's at 1739 N Street, right off Dupont Circle. It's still and- there.
1: And just a quick question, and mm-hmm. this is from my heart, and I know that I watched uh, Julia and Julia, whatever the Julia Childs thing is. Yeah. Why, or is this true, is French cuisine treated like it is the most, uh, the higher of the, of the food
2: chain, if you will, uh, the way you well, train as a French chef? I think it's the most, dis- well, I don't know. I can't comment because I don't know about Chinese. It's extremely disciplined and technique is, um, paramount and you learn how to handle food. You learn to look at the food and ha- give it what it needs to reach, to give it what it needs to, um, take it where you want it to go or to have it work with the other ingredients. So it's, it's, I think in that respect, excellent training you have these, and involved. to respect the food and bring out the best in it. Yeah, so, it's just yes. heavily
1: involved. Everything takes a no, lot. No, th-
2: not necessarily. It can be really, really simple. It, it can be. be like a tartataz, not involved, not really. I mean, right. a, or, you know, you've got butter, flour, sugar, and then you've got the fruit and a little more butter and sugar, and that's it. But it's about bringing out the flavors. And also, I was... Steeped in nouvelle cuisine, which people do ridicule, but nouvelle cuisine is about the essence of the of the ingredients, and that's I learned that. And the essence of the ingredients is really important. So French technique is it it translates, I think, to anything because it's about looking at the food, respecting the food, bringing out its um, essence, um, pairing things, putting things together, layering flavors, all that stuff. You know, braising, soups, stews, all that stuff that translates to any cuisine. I think. Now, what is that? So,
1: let's see. I've heard once. I'm probably wrong. I I, I was raised in public schools in Virginia. Um, me too. Um, <laughs> so, oh, so you can't use that anymore. I can't. Okay. <laughs> the, is it the Germans name their meat after the animal, and the French name their meat something else? I don't know. You there's tell a, me. Yeah. I, I there's a difference of of like whether you you, you uh, I guess. I don't maybe, know. Maybe I'm saying like a one one. Do you mean like
2: schnitzel and like like? Like one would call it chicken and one would call it poultry or? Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I'm gonna look it up after after right after we're done though. There's some sort know. of difference there. Oh, that's I don't know. That's, yeah. that's That's a great question. I don't know, but I'm gonna find out. Well, let's name drop for a second because I. Okay, I love that. Okay, I'll
0: go back. We Cut her off in her journey. We didn't finish the journey. Oh, that's
2: okay. Oh, then I was in Tabard Inn. Then I like sort of hit the wall like, oh my God, I want to do something different. And I was going to, I was working with somebody super talented, Peter Paston, who opened Obelisk and owns Eto and two Amy's. And oh, we opened Pizzeria Paradiso, doesn't own it anymore. And he and I got to be really good friends and we were going to open a restaurant together. Um, which he did and I didn't because he had the money and I didn't have the money and I was yeah uncomfortable asking other people to give me money so I was casting about and you know thinking about things and there was a store article in the newspaper and the post about this cookbook series at Time Life Books and I um, called them and asked them if I could like work for free intern except nobody there weren't nobody said that, use that word then and I went over there and got a job. And that's how I became a stylist. I worked there. I was doing recipe development because I'm a really creative cook. I you know, was at the time. And um, that was the last time I ever had a job, was there in the 80s. And I've been a freelancer ever since. We finished that series, and then I became a, um, independent. And I've been independent ever since, styling and writing and catering and making. I made this crazy food hat for um, Rosie O'Donnell and uh, these big bread sculptures and I just all kind of, whatever anybody would ask. Cause if you're available, people call you, you know, and ask, say, do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, I did. I've done all kinds of fun, fun stuff because I would say yes. And I was also available, <laughs> wanted to work. So yeah. Well, let's
1: name, name drop just some of the clients yeah. that you have worked oh. with, um, Let's see. From from the Washington Post to California Tortilla. Well, I, I'd like
0: see. to go back to the hat for Rosie O'Donnell.
2: That was fun. It <laughs> that hat turned out really great. And I, you know what? I can't even remember what it was about. I think it was about. Um, it must have been about eating healthy. It was huge and was all covered with fruits and vegetables. That's all I can remember. Well,
0: it must have been for her TV
2: show. Her TV show, yeah, huh? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Sometimes I forget stuff like I've people say what's the funniest thing you ever cooked and I can't remember except that I did cook muskrat and I had to get it and I had to get it and it was out of season so I had to get it from someone who had some in their freezer that they had trapped on their own um, they do sell it in Baltimore but this was the wrong se- I think they I think they sell it in the spring and this was the fall I'm not sure but um, and I did this yeah this big bread sculpture and my kid I did stuff like The post asked me a long time ago to make Halloween costumes out of the weekend section. I did edible packaging and I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. I have to look at pictures to remember. I did food for a movie that was all kind of um, existential, like these crazy constructions with, yeah, I'll, I'll do not, I won't do anything, but I do like to do the more creative it is, the more interested in I am in doing it. So I've taught classes. I taught at the New England Culinary Institute, NECI, and I've taught at the one in Baltimore and I've done, um, spoken at the, um, there's a big food styling convention and at IACP and anything, anybody, you know, it's fun, you know, to see what's out there. So, so my clients, let me think about this. So I work, I do a lot of work for McCormick Spice. Now I've done through the, in the past, lots of cookbooks, like I did the Mount Vernon cookbook and the Cookbook for Monticello, the Mount Vernon cookbook. We used the vegetables and everything out of the mount, out of their garden, which was really fun. And we got to go in their gardens and dig the stuff up. And also we shot out there, so we were in these rooms that you don't get to go in unless you're you know as a tourist. So that was fun. And also on the we did photos on the um, Mount Vernon lawn near the river uh, on the riverside um, at at daybreak, which was really cool. And I did um, the mount, Monticello cookbook, and we used vessels and stuff from Monticello, but. I wasn't allowed to touch. I was allowed to put food into them, but somebody else had to carry them, which was fun. Um, I did the Miss Piggy cookbook a million years ago, and they <laughs> sent down her stuff. So, like, I, they sent her gloves, like, all this stuff, and it was used. They weren't, like, brand new. You know, those purple gloves she has, and they were, that was kind of funny, and a boa, and, yeah. I forget all the things. I forget all the things, but that was fun. Well- yeah.
1: I, I just love everything about everything that you're doing. I'm a huge fan now of Lisa and I want (laughs) to ask you kind of what, um, we've been asking everyone, this is sort of our wrap up question, but like during the pandemic people went into the learning phase of I'm going to go back and learn Japanese or I'm going to finish my Pilates certificate. Did you do a brand new learning thing in the past year?
2: I didn't do a brand new learning thing I should have. I wished, but I've done two things that I'm, well, one I did and what I'm about to do, because I finally realized I have to do something new during the pandemic. But in 2020, I did the sock, my, I did a sock odyssey. I'm a knitter and I've been a knitter for a long time. I knitted a lot of socks in 2020. I posted them and I didn't, each pair was different and each pair was a different um, uh, pattern. So I did my sock odyssey, but now what? doing is I was kind of I really wanted to carve a spoon for a long time. I don't know why, but I finally got my carving tools in the mail yesterday and I got my um I got this little piece of wood that's been um treated they they heat it I guess so the sap cooks but the wood doesn't burn and I'm gonna I hope to carve this spoon. I'm doing it with two friends and we're gonna carve spoons on Zoom. So that's what I'm hoping to learn. But other than that no I learned well I mean it's the pandemic. So there's been so much adjusting, right? My whole basement, I mean, my basement before the pandemic, it was an Airbnb and now it's a photo studio. I emptied the whole thing out. I built a prop room. I mean, I built, I, well, all of it. So I did a lot of moving of stuff and adjusting. So what did you learn?
0: <laughs> how to podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? That's great. Oh, good. that's great. Oh, that's
0: great. Good for you. <laughs> we learned how to podcast and we We, with the help of a friend, put for the first time put a website together for ourselves for because we're writers and yeah we we have all these works but we we wrote a brand new musical we did write a brand new musical oh that's
2: fantastic what's it about what's it called five women that
1: Jack the Ripper killed
0: killed. yes
1: oh my goodness and and rather than putting the focus on Jack it exonerates the women. And reminds us that they were mothers, daughters, wives. They
0: weren't all prostitutes, um, which is the general. So we're working on that for Synetic Theater. Um,
2: Oh, that's great. What's it called? And does it have a title?
0: It's called White White Chapel.
2: Chapel. Oh, that's excellent. Wow. Man, I feel so lame. I didn't do anything. (laughs) That's awesome. Good for you. That's great. here's
1: Here's our second question. During the pandemic, did you have that that one Netflix series or whatever that was like oh my gosh I finally got to watch blah 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 on tv
2: well my house was under construction for like five or six months of the pandemic so I had no tv so what I watched was um wait I did watch something really good I watched Ozark and then I watched um Bridgerton and then I just watched I just watched a very British scandal which I thought was really good Mm -hmm. how about did you watch anything good I need the recommendations. What'd you watch? We I loved Broad Church. Okay, but, I've seen but, some of that. Uh-huh. But that's because
1: of what's your face, Coleman. Olivia. Right. I finally was like, okay, what's the big deal about the crown? And I watched the first episode and was like, oh my God, did that really happen? The crown is good. Yeah. And then I just kept watching one like every night.
2: Yeah. The Crown's really good. And she's uh, great in it too. We
1: watched Bridgerton. Yeah. Queen's Gambit. We watched The Queen's Gambit.
2: Oh, the, I watched The Queen's Gambit too, which the clothing is so fantastic in that.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's
2: a good one.
0: And we also started Ozark because we had never had a chance to.
2: Yeah. It's so. dark, but I can't wait for the last season, which is coming. Well, Plus they tell you it's, it's coming and it's the last season, which I love knowing that.
0: Right, I, I also just love seeing a different side of Jason Bateman. Yeah, um, how fantastic that he gets this chance to like, do a three sixty and anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. So so we uh, in closing, we have created. We're uh, we're also record producers. We are also record producers. We're oh, producing... is that right? <laughs> yeah. So i oh, listen- will Bruffle- I tell
2: you what, I'm listening to. I here's what I, I'll tell you. What I did during the pandemic. I've read a million books during the pandemic, but I listen. So I've listened to a million books. That's what I've mostly been doing. I was listening to books. But now I've started listening to, and I also listen to podcasts, but I'm listening to Cocaine and Rhinestones because I'm a country music fan and I play bass and I cannot stop listening. It's oh, a fantastic wow. podcast. Yeah, really well done. He taught himself too. Wow. It's great. Check it out.
0: It's great. Uh, we but we're producing our friend's album, Susan Derry, who it, it's called oh. I Wish It So. Oh. And so we started talking about the power of wishes and mm-hmm. what a wish really is, is, you know, a manifestation, a missive uh, in the universe that kind of can, can be self-prophesizing and self-fulfilling um, if you concentrate on your wish enough. Um, mm-hmm. So we've been asking each and every one of our guests, and I made this box sort of akin to when you would make uh, a Valentine collecting box in grade school, you know, out of a shoebox, except... This is, I think, out of an Amazon box um, <laughs> that's, that's a wish box that every, uh, every week we put the um, guest's wish into this box and I add more art every time another wish Aww. goes in. So Aww. if you had to wish for one thing, it could be for yourself, your family, the country, the world, whatever. What would your one wish be? Just the top first thing that comes to your head.
2: I would really like us to get a handle on global, on climate change. That's my big wish. My small wish is for my son to thrive.
0: Okay. I am writing it down. Well, it looks like he has
1: a great role model.
2: <laughs> yeah. Which well, he's resisting as hard as he can. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's so great.
1: Um, that's so and
2: that's so. And so what's the, what, tell me the name of her album. It's called, Uh, it's called, I wish it, I wish it so. Wish it so. And I I was been focusing on this line, let it be, which let it be is either let it be as in let it be like, leave it alone. Just let it be, let it go, let it be. And also let it be as let it be. So, so it's also, it's a wish and it's also a letting go, which I think is a great phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. So, so
0: yeah, we, uh, that will go in the wish box. Thank you. I I we, do you know Sushmita Mazumdar? I do not. She's an artist. We, we talked to her last night. She um create, created this thing called Studio Pause. It's uh-huh. in Arlington and uh-huh. it's like a makerspace where she invites people in to oh basically get their feet wet with creating art and telling oh. stories. And oh. so we we talked to her last night about you know, a year from now, opening the wish box live in her studio and having it be like a exhibition <gasps> of yes. all of these, where the it's going to be a barometer of where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the culture was at the time. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so more on that later. But um, thank you so much for joining us, Lisa. We're s- such big fans of yours. And- thank
2: you for having me. It's been really fun. I've enjoyed talking with you guys. Yeah. You're so energetic and Enthusiastic and optimistic. It's great. <laughs> we try to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Thank you, Lisa. We'll See talk you soon. You I soon. hope. Okay. Good. All right. All right. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. It was so great talking to Lisa. Such a fascinating career and we're so glad that she took the time to join us um so thank you lisa and we'll yeah put... we could have talked forever so how did your uh brussels sprouts and potatoes
1: turn out Yeah, you know, they turned out great the uh, brussels sprouts are a little bit crispy on the outside which you always love and the potatoes are nice and uh, cooked a little bit with the one with the oil a little bit um Browned, so it's, it's delicious. It's a interesting combination, anyone in who, ha, who has had cabbage with potatoes, but it's like crunchy, smooth, savory, um, nothing sweet.
0: Awesome. Well, I am glad you uh, took the time to listen to this. Uh, if you want to know more about us, please visit www.conner, c o n n e r, smith, s m i t h, musicals.com. Um, and to learn about who we are and what we do. And please follow Connor and Smith on Facebook and rate and review this podcast if you are moved to do so. Um, so until the next next week, where uh, we're, we're going to be coming back at you with some incredible guests, um, but we'll learn more about that next week. Um, so until then, as we always say, turn your heart into
2: art.
0: Good night, everybody.